Hello, prayer friend. Once again, thank you for listening in to our prayer cast from AfriChrist Prayer Ministries, the ministry that reaches out to the busy person, the millennials, the professionals of all fields, and to the underchurched, uh, often unreached people. These podcasts are the ones that help you to develop footsteps with impact in your prayer life. We believe the scripture that says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. We also believe, just like Jesus did and the disciples, Paul and the prophets of old, that our prayers should have impact every time. And so we believe in praying with impact in our ministry. Jesus never prayed a prayer that failed, and he never sent out a command that didn't achieve its intended purpose. He prayed and commanded with words of impact. We are confident that the Bible-based prayer principles that we teach never fail. The Bible says that God's word never comes back to him void. If our prayers are initiated of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, then they will never come back void to us. Please thank you again for listening in. Download this and send it to your friends. We would appreciate if you recommend our prayer cast to your friends. Uh, We would also appreciate if you recommend our app, AfriChrist, to your friends. This app can be downloaded from the Apple App Store, and also the Google Play Store. It's the same app for both platforms. It's very well done, and it reaches out to people like you. Thank you once again, and may God bless you as you're listening. Thank you. Hello, uh, this is Sam Kawesa, your host, coming to you from AfriChrist Prayer Ministries. Uh, podcasting today, uh, we have a topic that uh, is very common around us. The title of this podcast today is uh, Countering the Mindset of Poverty with Simple Scriptures. See, many times when we have some uh, topics that we are dealing with, we tend to think that we have these complicated scriptures that have to be interpreted one way or the other. And sometimes it is so. But in many cases, God makes his word very simple. And when it comes to poverty, it's more of a revelation than how hard the scriptures are. And so today we're going to see some of the revelations that we have from scriptures that we may have all have shared or read, but really didn't understand. And we may have known that they are regarding poverty or it touches the topic of poverty, but we just go right through them. But with revelation and discernment, you can see that these are principles set in the Word of God to help us deal with poverty. Now, one of the first things we have to understand is that God does not say that poverty is going to be eliminated. But what God uh, wants us to deal with when it comes to poverty is dealing with the mindset of the person. And so once you get the person's mindset changed, then you deal with the situation of poverty you're going to see that you're going to have pockets of poverty in different areas. And the key is dealing with the um, with the mentality of poverty in people. Once you do that, then you're going to deal with poverty. That's why you can find someone may have grown up in a poor area or in poverty and they come out of it. And the first thing they do is grasp the fact that if I do, if I can do this, then I'm pos- it's possible for me to get out of this situation. And so now we're going to see some scriptures today that are going to help us and give us the principles of how to counter poverty if you find yourself in it, whether you are born in a situation of poverty. And so I believe that by the time we are done with this study, you will be able to pray with impact in regards to the situation of poverty. And we shall see some examples in the Bible that 
give us those scriptures and we shall see where those scriptures can be applied from the Bible. So what are we going to be dealing with today? We're going to be dealing with the fact that um, God does not call us to get rid of poverty. I know that doesn't sound uh, like it's the right thing to say, but you will see from Scripture that really God, that, that He means it, and that's what He says. And then God calls us to help the poor, and that's not a contradiction. When Jesus was introducing His ministry to us, He told us that He was going to deal with poverty, and we shall see that. From the Scriptures, we shall see God's promises, as in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. We shall also see cautions and warnings where the borrower becomes a slave to the lender. We shall also talk about interest uh, from a biblical perspective and how it should be or shouldn't be applied. And also we shall be talking about the forgiveness of debt and why, the, probably why many societies or many communities or countries are still in debt because certain scriptures that God set as principles for dealing with poverty are not being applied. We shall also see selfishness from those who have and why it continues to um, perpetuate this poverty among the rest of us. When Jesus was inaugurating his ministry in Luke 4, 18 through 19, he quoted this, uh, the prophet Isaiah and the scripture goes, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So as we can see here, that the very first statement that Jesus made was about poverty. So we are going to see how we can use the scriptures, this and others, to overcome the spirit of poverty. Now, God has a plan from the beginning. Some people may be getting tired of this scripture, but this scripture is very, very powerful. And I quote it many times because it's one of the fundamental scriptures that we need in following God's plan for our lives. And this is Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. And I'll be reading from um, the NIV this time. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So here God is promising in Jeremiah that if we seek him, if we go to him, if we call upon him, he has a plan for us to prosper. And please, I do realize that a lot of people will say, oh, he meant... Um, uh, spiritual prosperity and all this and that. Yeah, of course, if you set a principle, that principle will work for the different areas of life. And so we know that this scripture, he's translating the spiritual into the natural. And so knowing that God has a plan for us helps us because this is like having a freeway or a highway. That's what promises of God are. All they are is the high, they are highways for us to use to a guaranteed destination. Let me give you an example. Say, for example, you book for an airline uh, flight and you have to be on time. You have to be at the right airport. You have to be on the right flight. You, and once you get in the plane, you are going to sit in a certain area. It's already designated for you. So you may be seat number so and so. Yes, I do realize that every so often they may change seats. But in general, when you book an airline ticket, 
they give you your seat where you're going to sit. So there's an orderly manner. In the same way, that's how God does for us. He has a plan for us. Look at that as a plane. And so there's a certain path that you're going to have. See, if you say, I'm flying from Detroit to Cleveland, you are going to go to Cleveland, but you're going to have to sit down. And when you get in there, the pilot says, put your seat belts on. There's certain way rules that you have to follow. Now, they won't stop the plane from flying, but when you do them, you have a better flight. Now, I also want you to realize that in this flight, you may have turbulence on the way. That's how life is. Even though God has a plan for you, there might be turbulence on the way. Some of it is caused by misplanning. Whatever the cause is, though, is turbulence. It doesn't matter. So now, just like the airline, the pilot knows where he's going. Now, we know that we trust that pilot to take us to the right destination. However, every so often man makes mistakes. Like I remember a few years ago, it was Northwestern Airlines. They were flying from Minneapolis, I believe, to another city. I forget which one. And the pilot and the co-pilot were playing video games. And they flew to the wrong destination. I think it was Cleveland. I don't quite remember. But the chief hostess realized that the flight was taking longer than it normally does. So he went to the cockpit and told them to find out what was going on. And then when they looked... It was going to the wrong, you know, destination. And it's a true story. It did happen some few years back. Now, that pilot, if, say, he lands in Cleveland and he's not supposed to land in Cleveland, would you get back on that plane? Personally, I'll ask for another flight because I won't trust them. However, God, his flight goes to the destination intended. That's the difference between God's plan and man's plan. God's flight always gets to the right destination. There may be turbulence, but you're going to get to the right destination. So that's how I look at Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has a plan for us. His plan has good intentions. He does not want you to go even through the turbulence, actually. But he knows you could, but he will deliver you from all of that. So now, looking at that, we can see how if God has a plan for us, in Jeremiah 29, 11, then we know one thing, that we can combat poverty through the mindset. Because you first have to agree and believe that God is able to do what he says he would do. Now, Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. Okay? There is a difference. He was not giving us a fish. There is a saying that if you give a man a fish, you give him a meal for the day. If you give him a, a, a fishing rod, you give him meals, you know, you give him work to do. So now that's how God is. He said you make us fishers of men. He was talking about getting people into the gospel. God wants to make you a fisherman. He does not want just, just to give you fish. So a lot of people use the gospel like, oh, if I just say this, then it will be mine and all that stuff. Yeah, I know there are people who say that. But many of those people are wrong in the sense that they're just throwing around scriptures. They are not on the right flight. They are not seated down. They have not put on the, uh, the seat belts, and they expect things to just happen because God promised. Understanding this kind of mentality will help us to overcome poverty. The great Maya Angelou, the poet, told Oprah when Oprah was much younger, but she was rich, but she was not as wealthy as she is now. And she says that it's not how rich you get, but it's how many people 
you, you pull along with you. In other words, your success, your destiny, your legacy is going to be created by how many people you bring along. Destiny is a destination. But you know, legacy is, is something that we live through and is something that continues long after you're done. Your destiny, once you reach that destiny, once you die, then they can say, oh, she was a very rich woman. But if she left no legacy, if she left no pathway for others, if she didn't pull many others to come along, then her legacy would die with her. So it's not about the riches. It's about how many people you bring along. And that's one way you combat the spirit of poverty is you bring others along with you. And once the way you bring people along with you is to change the way they think about poverty or their poor situation. And once you take care of that, then you're going to bring along a lot of people and you're creating a legacy, not just for yourself, but for other people too. That's what men Mentoring is all about. That's what discipleship is all about. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, 20, he was really asking us to create a Christian legacy in what we call the Great Commission. It reads like this in NIV, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is key. Next one. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, when you look at this scripture, it really means that Jesus is setting these principles on how to change the mindset of people. He's saying that, you know, if you make disciples of men by teaching them the things I've told you, by showing them the rules and of doing certain things, then you're going to make disciples of men. Now, let us take the principle. Now, that was for the gospel, okay? But let us take the very first scripture Jesus says. He says that the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. My question is, what is good news to the poor? See, if you're poor, your good news is to get out of poverty. If you're poor, your good news is to be able to afford what you couldn't afford before. So Jesus is saying that he is bringing good news for them. What is that good news? To get them out of poverty. How is it going to be done? He tells us as he was living. Now look at these scriptures. In the last podcast, we talked about a beginning scripture and an ending scripture. Now in this case, we are looking at this scripture. When he was inaugurating his ministry, he says that, you know, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, as he is leaving us, he tells the the disciples, all authority, every authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all nations, not just people, but nations, not just in America, but nations, not just in one place in Africa, but nations teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So you can see here, he's saying that, listen, that which I proclaim and declared at the very beginning, when I say that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, now I'm leaving you and I want you to make disciples of these men. How? 
by teaching them the things I've taught you all these three years I've been with you. One of the beginning issues that Jesus talks about was poverty. And he says he's bringing good news. I've taught you all these things as you've been walking with me. I've shown you all these uh, miracles. I want you now to teach them the things that I have commanded you to. It was a command that he gave them to teach. So now that's what we have to do. Now, one thing we have to realize, and I said it earlier, that poverty will always be with us. And that does not sound really good or it sounds like a contradiction, but it really is not. Okay, let me give you some scriptures. In Deuteronomy 15.11, it says, There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and who are needy in your land. So the poor and the needy will always be there. But what God says is that we have to have a mentality of open-mindedness. We shall see what that open-mindedness is really as we go through this lesson. Why is poverty always here? Because there are always poor people. But God says that you have to treat them a certain way. And Jesus has shown us that we have to open up their mindset, change the way they think. We, Jeremiah 29, 11 shows us that promise that, look, God has this highway that he wants you to go on, but you know, you have to do certain things, okay? So that's in Deuteronomy uh, 15, 11. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus tells us the same thing. He says, uh, this is what he says. Uh, be, uh, the, the story behind this is that this lady, she had this expensive perfume and came and anointed Jesus Christ. Remember, at the very beginning, I quoted the scripture, Luke four eighteen, and he says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me and I am anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. What did he say? I am anointed. Listen to that word anointing. Listen to the word good news and listen to the word poor. Okay, that's what I want you to mark right there at the very beginning of his ministry. Now, here this is this lady. She comes with this expensive perfume and anoints Jesus. And of course, somehow in the spirit, they could see that this is about poverty because look what they say to him. Okay, this perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. You hear that? This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. So now you see here Jesus is talking about, You will not always have me to walk you through Luke 4, 18 through 19, which is the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, I am anointed. This woman has come and fulfilled that scripture by anointing me. You know, here she comes and she's fulfilling the prophecy or the scripture of Isaiah, which Jesus quoted when he first opened his ministry, and she is anointing Jesus Christ. And look, the things that are said around here, even by those who are protesting, they talk about the poor giving, you know, they could have said, oh, she's wasted all this money. We could have, you know, done this and this. But they mentioned the poor because the anointing Jesus talked about in Luke 4.18 is about the poor. And this woman comes and does the anointing. God God anointed with his spirit, now she's anointing with oil, and it's all about poverty. And, he's, and he says, she has done a beautiful thing. Don't you guys see it? What does that mean? He's 
actually saying that she is fulfilling Luke 418, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, I'm anointed. The anointing had to be done with a perfume. And this lady fulfilled a scripture where they were just sitting around and they protested. And those things are going to happen as we help the poor. People will be telling us, oh, you shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have done the other. But with God, those who are following the scriptures, even unbeknownst to them, they'll be fulfilling the, script, the prophecies that are there for this particular thing. Now, so uh, let's recap here. What have we gone through? We have seen that Jesus came to uh, bring good news to the poor. Then we have seen in Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has a plan for us, that is to prosper us. And then we have also seen in Matthew uh, through 20, that Jesus sees that all authority has been given to him and that we shall be teaching people all these things, all these principles. So now we can see that in Matthew 26, 9 through 11, this lady comes and fulfills Luke 4, 18 through 19. Now, why do we still have poverty? There are certain things that we are doing as um, human beings that are keeping poverty among us. One of them is um, usury. What is usury? A lot of people are in debt today. And the debt is bringing them down with interest. Interest that is usury. Usury is using interest that you charge on people when they borrow from you to keep them poor, to keep the, the cycle going. You know, that's why the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 7, that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. That's what usury is is unfair use of interest to burden those that you have loaned something, whether it's money or other ways that you can use interest. And so let's see a story in Nehemiah. You know, when the children of Israel had come back to Jerusalem, rebuilt the wall, and they were settling down, then those who had it good, those who had the money, were starting to loan uh, the other Jews money. And when they were lending them money, they were charging them high interest so that these people could not afford to pay them back. They were becoming slaves to the lender. So Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 4 through 5 and verse 7 says this, And others said, We have had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy, and our children are just like theirs. Yet, we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters and we are helpless to do anything about it. For our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. So Nehemiah said, After thinking this over, I spoke to these nobles and the officials. I told them, You are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. Slavery and even human, they call it human trafficking these days, is happening so much, especially in Africa, where people are sending off these, especially young women, to other countries, to Middle Eastern countries, to India, to the Far East, and they're sending them as domestic maids. That is pure slavery. 
And these parents are left behind with a promise that their young people, especially girls, are being sent out there to make money to come and feed them. This is what this scripture is saying also. These people are complaining that, you know, we're sending our girls out there. And this is happening in our time today. Women, young women are being taken to Middle Eastern countries as uh, laborers or as maids in the homes. Many of them are being abused. Many of them are dying and nobody's saying anything about it. But see, that is the mentality of poverty that is among the people. And those who are leading them to go to those places are really becoming like the lenders who are making these people slaves because they are really actually used mortgaging the young women to these other countries. And that is happening all over the world in many third world nations where young people are being mortgaged uh, to other wealthier countries so that they can make money to send back to their parents. That's what was happening in Nehemiah 5, 4 through 5. That is the spirit of poverty. That will keep a nation under. Jesus said in Matthew 28, that therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was speaking on a spiritual basis, but that principle in there, making disciples in all nations. If we have people following these principles in all nations, we will not have young women being sold into slavery, young men being sold into slavery, and they call it human trafficking today. That is because we are violating Scripture. Nations are violating scriptures. Those people who have money, as we have seen here in Nehemiah 5, 4, 5, they are violating scriptures. That is going to keep poverty, the poverty mentality in this, um, uh, in these nations. That's why 22, 7 Proverbs says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. We have to do what God tells us to do in order to overcome poverty, and that is getting rid of the mentality of poverty. Once you get rid of that mentality of poverty, you can do anything. There are so many ways out there in the world that we can overcome it. Education is one of them. Businesses is one of them. Entrepreneurship is one of them. So whatever it is, If we follow the principles that God has told us and know that his promises he's able to fulfill, we shall overcome many of these wrongs and ills that we are having today. Now, let's read another scripture here. Deuteronomy 15, 1 through 2 and 4 through 6. And it says this. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. This is how it is to be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loan they have made to a fellow Israelite. They shall not require repayment from anyone among their own people because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. However, there need be no poor people among you. See, he didn't say poverty. He said poor people among you. However, there there need to be no poor people among you. For in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. If only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow these commands I am giving you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised and you will lend to many nations but will not 
but will borrow from none of them. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. When you help the poor, God stands behind you. When you um, cancel debt, but how many times have you had canceling debt? In the U.S. right now, there's this, uh, they are mortgaging people's education. Because people, uh, it's, it's almost like you have to have student loans to go to school. And this is a nation that can afford to send their children to school all the way through college. But they are not doing it. That's the spirit of, uh, of, of, of poverty. That's the mentality of poverty. And how, why do I say that? Well, this is a rich nation and it all, it's all that. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with the way uh, the people think. That has nothing to do with the mentality of poverty. That has nothing to do with, with Satan uh, uh, setting up the spirit of poverty in a nation. Right now it may be able to do it, but in the end it's going to burn the nation because everyone, young people are getting uh, into debt, they get out of college and they cannot afford even to buy a home like their parents did who did not go to college because the spirit of poverty is now hanging over them. And it's those people who um, using usury, interest, by loaning them this money with interest that they cannot afford, that is leading them to this poverty. So young people have no way to start. So it's like we, we, we are going backwards. And this is a violation of scripture. But see, nations are not seeing it because the greedy are taking over. As we saw in that scripture that, you know, the rich, this is not speaking against the rich. Because there's a difference though between rich and wealth. Wealth spreads to everybody. Rich tends to be kept among certain people. That's why today we have like 1%, I think it says 1% of the world own uh, over 90% of every wealth for every nation. Just a few people holding, and so they are holding uh, others into slavery. God does not approve that according to the scriptures that we have read. So in that respect, uh, let us look at uh, poverty from a wider angle you know, affecting more than just one person or your family. Let us look at it from, say, a national point of view or city point of view or just a group of people point of view where we're including more than just one person. Now, first of all, let me define the three terms, prosperity, rich, and wealth. What do I mean by these three things? Prosperity is the wise use of available resources, while rich is the infinite availability of those resources. However, wealth is consistent prosperity. You know, that is the legacy of productive use of resources regardless of current circumstances, and it transcends generations. If a nation is prosperous, it's going to weather all these things. It does not matter what goes on all around the world. It's going to weather all these things. That's prosperity. It can weather time, it can weather generations, and even when you bring it in families, it's the same thing. Wealth is going to weather all these things. It does not matter what's going on all around you. When there's wealth in the family, it will transcend generations and it will transcend circumstances. However, you can be rich and lose it the next day. That's why you have a lot of these families, say, for example, in the U.S., uh, the family, like the Ford family, those are wealthy families because regardless of what the situation is or regardless of the generation, they stay rich. Now, let us look at individuals. Oprah is a wealthy woman because it doesn't matter what goes on all around her. 
she's going to stay wealthy and she's, she's using her resources productively. So that's what I mean when I say that our wealth is consistent prosperity, and that is prosperity being uh, the wise use of available resources. Now, if we look at nations, what happens in, in many countries is that there's no wise use of resources available. Many African countries are rich in resources. They have gold, diamonds, whatever it is that it takes, good weather. They can grow anything, anywhere. But how come there's still poverty? Because there's a lack of use of these resources well. And usually it's the guardians, the leadership. So we're going to look at it from that angle, that the spirit of poverty can grip a nation through the leadership. How does it grip the nation through leadership? That's when leadership is not doing what they're supposed to do for the nation. We call it corruption, but really it is thievery. That's when that spirit of poverty grips a whole nation because just a few people are corrupt, businesses are corrupt, and everybody is stealing from everybody else. And they don't even see it. They think that's hard work. Many of them uh, say to themselves, oh, I worked hard for this. But really, they use corrupt means of getting their wealth. But that's the spirit of poverty being perpetuated by those in leadership. And we see that happening all over the world, not just in Africa. You know, there are some cities which are really gifted. They have everything there. They have the industries. But when the corrupt leadership, whether in business or in politics, they, uh, is, around, is ruling, then the, the nation groans. In fact, that's what it says uh, in, in uh, Proverbs. So now a nation can be rich but not prosperous, as, you know, as we can see. Generations is the same thing. A generation can be rich but not prosperous. What do I mean? Say, for example, here in the United States, you see that in some years they may say, oh, the Clinton years were, um, were prosperous. The country was prospering. Yeah, they may have done a few things here and there, but that's stewardship. And so the nation prospers. And then they may say, well, um, in the Bush years, there were all these, uh, everything was falling apart. The unemployment was going up and the uh, auto industry was down and the uh, building industry was uh, uh, was full of bubbles. That's because a lot of people in the uh, real estate industry, they were really very corrupt and they were taking people using high interest rate or bad interest loans to um, to burden people and people ended up losing a lot of homes. That's the spirit of poverty through leadership. Now, th that's what I mean when I say that, you know, um, a, a nation can be rich or a generation can be rich, but still there is no prosperity. And in this case, that's what happened. But guess what? Even during all that time, the wealthy families stayed wealthy or the wealthy businessmen stayed wealthy because they had created this legacy of use of resources wisely, regardless of the circumstances going around. And that's what happens to us when we do not do the things as God wants them to be done. People may say, well, what has this got to do with spirituality? Yes, it has a lot to do with it. Without good stewardship, you cannot go to the next level, which is wealth. And so a lot of these countries, like say in a third world, or Africa especially, they are not wealthy because we couldn't move into prosperity. And you cannot move into prosperity if you are not good stewards. So we have to do something here. And it is a spiritual thing. People may not see it, but you know there are powers and principalities. There are mentions in the book of Colossians and in uh, Daniel chapter 9. 
their powers and principalities that could be ruling over a whole nation. This is the way Satan keeps poverty in a nation. Now, I'm going to read you some scriptures to show you that God really is not happy and is aware of this. Isaiah chapter 1, 21 through 23, I'll just read some verses in there. It says, Once so pure, you're now like watered down wine. Your leaders are rebels, the companion of thieves. All of them love bribes and demand payoffs, but they refuse to defend the cause of the orphans or fight for the rights of the widows. Then in Ezekiel, it goes on to say, Ezekiel 22, 25 through 30, Your princes plot conspiracies just like lions stalk their prey. They devour innocent people, seizing treasures and extorting wealth. They make many widows in the land. In other words, there's a lot of killing. Families are broken up because the husbands are killed, and so you're getting these widows. Your priests have violated my instructions and defiled my holy things. They make no distinction between what is holy and what is not. And they do not teach my people the difference between what is uh, clean and what is unclean. Okay, now if we go on further down, it says, this is the leaders that he's talking about. They actually destroy people's lives for money. And your prophets cover up for them by announcing false visions and making lying predictions. They say, my message is from the sovereign Lord when the Lord has not spoken. So you see here, God is saying that these leaders are so corrupt, but they are covered up by religious leaders. We see that all over the world where these people, it's all about money. Then I'll just read this last one. It's a little long, but it really shows you what um, corruption is spiritually. And here, uh, God is talking about Israel, but you can transplant it to today. This is in Ezekiel 34, verse 1 through 10. Then this message came from uh, to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you, shepherds, who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't the shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, wear the wool, and butcher the best animals, but you let your flock starve. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended to the sick, nor bound the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd. They are easy prey for wild animals. They have wandered through the mountains and all the hills across the face of the earth. Yet no one has gone to search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the Lord, the sovereign Lord, you abandoned my flock and left them to be attacked by wild animals. And though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of you yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I now consider these shepherds my enemies, and I will hold them responsible for what happens to my flock. I will take away their right to feed the flock, and I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouth. So you see, God is here saying that those he has given leadership over the people, that's his sheep, that's the flock, whether they are in the religious sector or whether they are in the um political sector, you are eating the people's stuff, you're making them poor, you are taking their land, it says so right here, you read it again, 
You are taking their land. You're taking the wealth of the people to yourselves. You are feeding yourselves. And God is saying that he is not happy with this. So this is where the spirit of poverty grips a nation, grips a people, grips a, a community. And if we stop people from thinking this way, the leadership from thinking greed and you know just for themselves, then we start combat poverty among the people. So it has to come from the mentality, the way we think, the way we look at things, the way we take care of people. Because here says that, you know, those who are sick are not bound. There are no hospitals. Things are falling apart. You know, so everything is going crazy because we are not following what God wants us to do. Everybody is involved. Don't you think that, oh, it's the other one or the other one? One time I was hearing some people saying, well, I myself haven't done it, but I have I have benefited from some of these things that these people have done. Guess what? That means you are guilty. We have to repent for the lands, uh, countries that we have these things taking place. We have to uh, repent for the cities. We have to repent for everything so that we start having dominion over the land because God said in Second Peter, he has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Poverty is hitting us because we have refused to do the right thing. So now, that is the spirit of poverty over a whole nation, whole cities, whole dominions, wherever it may be. That's how we are going to overcome poverty, the spirit of poverty. If we go back in following the scriptures as God has said them, and I do realize this podcast is a little different than usual. But, you know, a lot of people can't do so many things that they want to do because they're in debt, they're indebted to people, their interest is going higher and higher, they're getting repositions in their um, property, their children cannot go to school because they can't get student loans because already their credit is not good. So we have all these things that are working, and that's the spirit of poverty. It can grip a nation. Even a rich nation like the United States, once people get into debt, they are actually poor because they are slaves to the lender. And once you are enslaved by somebody, they can do anything to you. They can take uh, your possessions, as we have seen here in, Detroit, in Nehemiah. When those people went to Nehemiah and complained that these people were just like them, but they are taking everything from us. Now, one of the things that God reminds us or reminds those who have the money and they are saying, oh, well, I worked for this. And we hear that all the time on the news, you know, people thinking that the others are lazy, so they are not working. And so, hey, I did this. I made this. But you know what? We know there's a lot of corruption uh, in high places. We know that many nations are suffering uh, from poverty because those in leadership are corrupt. They are taking all the money. They are just a few families are ruling and they are taking everything from everybody else. We see that on the internet all the time where these leaders die and they show us the opulence, the opulence of their, uh, uh, under which they were living, where one room in their homes could, could have built a school in a village, could have built a hospital in a village. And yet they themselves do not even want to be treated in, uh, in the hospitals in, on those, in those nations. We see that that's the spirit of poverty that the enemy has put over nations. It has gripped nations because the spirit of greed has come in. It has made a few people own everything and have everything and made everybody literally a slave to them. 
Now Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 17 through 18 says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So conf- and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. See, there's a covenant that God swore to, the, uh, to our ancestors. What is that covenant? Someone may say, oh, well, that's just to the children of Israel. But remember, he said that the, we say in the book of Hebrews that the promises of Abraham are ours for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what covenant is God talking about? Remember what it says in Jeremiah 29, 11? Now you see why I really love that verse or that, that scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, the plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has given nations the a preamble to their constitutions, to the constitutions of their people. If we just do those things, God, you know, we just seen here that He is, God confirms His covenant, which He swore to you, to your ancestors. That's what He says in Deuteronomy 8, 17, 18, that He, conf- he confirms Jeremiah 29, 11, that He swore to our ancestors. That's what we need to do. We need to realize that if we follow God's word, If we do what God tells us to do as he promises, we shall get rid of poverty. And how do we get rid of poverty? You get rid of the mentality in people because now they are following the scriptures of God to do those things. But when there is selfishness, as we have seen from those who have, you know, then we are not going to uh, help or affect others. People are not going to become disciples of these uh, principles of Jesus Christ. Now, then there's the other part of poverty that that, uh, we may not understand. This is the poverty of false humility. This is, again, a selfish spirit, I dare say. Uh, What is false humility? Say you make it and you used to, um, you may have been rich, but maybe not because a lot of people make it. From uh, riches, uh, from rags to riches, and then you don't want to share. You don't want to share the knowledge. You don't want to tell people how you made it. You don't want to teach others. Yet in uh, in uh, Matthew twenty eight eighteen it says, "Make disciples, teach others." False humility comes when you say, oh, well, uh, if I tell people, then people are going to think that I'm bragging. Uh, then, well, but knowledge is useless if it's not passed around. Knowledge and information is like currency. It has to be distributed and used for it to have value. So we need to teach others. We need to pull along. That's what Maya Angelou was telling Oprah. This is not how rich you get, but it's how many people you bring along. We have to get out of that false humility, which causes others not to know what we are up to, they just see us you know, driving these big cars, having these big homes, but then we don't show them how it was made. That's false humility. But no, what it is, is that you don't want to give God the glory. If you give the God the glory, like it says in Deuteronomy, he reminds us that forget not that it is he who gives the power to get well, then you're going to help other people. You're going to expose the spirit of poverty, by teaching others, by changing the mentality of others. So I hope that these few scriptures are going to help you 
to understand that in order for us to help those uh, the poor people or those who are poorer than us, because it doesn't matter how rich you are, someone is always richer than you, we have to change the mentality, not just of them, but also of us. We have to get rid of false humility. We have to use the scriptures as they are. We have to follow the scriptures as God says, as the example I gave you of the airplane going to the wrong city. But that's what Jeremiah 29, 11, it gives us the pathway to that um, prosperity. And prosperity, I'm not talking about the way some people interpret it. Don't get me wrong, okay? Some people think that's prosperity. No, that's getting rich. You know, you get rich, you can lose it anytime. But, and it's not a legacy, it's a destiny. Wealth is a legacy. Richness is just a destination. And so let us do these things so that we can combat the spirit of poverty. Now, these are not the only scriptures and these are not the only ways, but I promise you, if we do some of these things, much of what we see as poverty, we will not see again because we will not have people living in poverty. And when you don't have people living in poverty because you change their mindset, then you are taking care of poverty. And just remember, Jesus said the poor will always be around us. And it also says the same thing in the Old Testament, in the scripture that we saw in Deuteronomy 15, 11, that they will always be around us. That's because some people just will not either do or some people will oppress others into poverty, sell others into slavery. Those are the hard facts. When we pray, for me, I believe that as we pray, pray with impact, we get rid of so many of these things that we do not understand. Pray with impact. You pray the scriptures. I know this because I've seen it in people's lives. People I know, but because they grasp certain principles, they no longer are in poverty. We have seen it happening. It can happen in our time. We can pray with impact. So let us do that now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. As we go through these seemingly simple scriptures, Lord, we ask you, Lord, that we may take them and use them and apply the principles therein. That, Lord, Heavenly Father, your people who have listened to these scriptures, Lord, that they may use them, they may go and research even more in the Bible, because you do talk about these situations, Lord. But many times we don't know how to start, when to start, or that they actually do work. But we have seen from these scriptures, Lord, that it can work. All we need to do is follow the principles in them and believe and trust that you who promised you are able to do, even as the scripture has said. Father, in the name of Jesus, your son, the one who came to bring the gospel to the poor. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that we may make disciples of men, even as he asked us in um, the Great Commission. That in this situation, Lord, we have been dealing with the spirit of poverty and how to deal with it from a scriptural point of view. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that my friends listening out there, they will grab these scriptures or even others that we have not mentioned here, Lord. Believe and trust that you are able to do it, Lord, for them and with them. And that, Lord, Heavenly Father, they will go out there and that, Lord, they will practice that which we have read, that which they have learned, and that they will help to overcome this spirit of poverty by changing the mentality and the way they think of poverty. Father, we thank you that you have everything planned for us, that all we have to do is believe in you and trust in you, 
that you have the power, that you're sovereign to be able to overcome the turbulence that we may go through. Even as a pilot does in the plane that we saw, there may be turbulence, but he knows the destination. Father Jeremiah 29, 11 shows us that you know the destination you want us to reach and that, Lord, legacy is a journey and that journey is your scriptures, Lord, and that we can overcome the turbulence that may come. Father, let us bring others along with us. Let us not be selfish. Father, we come against the spirit of a false humility where we think we are being humble by not showing others what we did or how we did it. Father, let us realize and remember that it's you who gives the power to get wealth, even as your scripture has said. Father, help us. Help us to change this mentality of poverty in people. Whatever it may take, some people may need to go to school. Father, help and provide. Show them how to get. Father, help us to overcome the debt that is overridden so many people. Father, we as nations, we as Christians, Lord, let us practice jubilee where people's great debts are forgiven, Lord. If we loan to someone and we see that they are not able to pay back, that we can easily forgive them because, Father, you have promised that the land that which we are going, we shall prosper because you'll be with us. That this destination, the place that we are going, we shall prosper. So let us be able to forgive others of the debts that they owe us. That's why, Father, in what we call the uh, Lord's Prayer, we say, forgive us our debts, even as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Let it not just be a scripture that we just read, a, a prayer that we just say. Let us actually do it, Father, because we know, even as that scripture says, that he who helps the poor lends to the Lord. And Father, we know one thing, you pay your debts. You pay your debts. So help us to lend to you by helping those who are poorer than us. We pray all this in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So my friends, take some of these scriptures, string them together, use them. God is able to fulfill whatever he says he is able to do. Believe him and trust him. Obey the scriptures in the name of Jesus. Until next time, thank you for listening to this episode. Amen. <laughs>